everybody, and welcome to the Money Made Easy podcast. We're your hosts, Angelica and Tisha. We're here to make it easier to talk about and learn about all things money, earning it, saving it, and investing it. So let's talk money, honey. On to this week's show. Well, this is such an exciting day. Our first three-time guest. <laughs> We're having one of our very favorites back on again because she has a new book coming out tomorrow. It's mm -hmm. Tiffany, the budget nista, Alish. Welcome to the show, Tiffany. It's like you need no more of an introduction. <laughs> Thank you, ladies, for having me. I'm excited to be back for the third time. <laughs> yes, you really are one of our favorite guests. Your heart and everything that you do with your education around money and trying to teach as many people how to get out of debt, how to save money is so powerful. And now you have this new book coming out tomorrow. How exciting. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. I, I'm just, it feels like such a whirlwind. I, um, just about a year ago, I, I signed my book deal. So for it to be coming out in a year, it's just like, that's quick. I know it is. I didn't know how quick it was until my other friends, you know, they told me, oh, I had two years before I had to turn in my manuscript. I'm like, what? They told me five months. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's perfect timing. I think people really need it now. Yes. Oh, yes. With everything over the last year, the pandemic and just mm -hmm. it's needed more now than ever. And mm -hmm. Uh, it's kind of like an anniversary because last year you released, we had you on when you released your um, happy birthday, your, Molly Moore. Yeah. Yes. My book for the babies. Yes. <laughs> yes. Episode that was episode 24. So be sure guys and go back to listen to that. Cause it was all about financial education for children. It's, and that was her children's book. And so how has that been? Have you had just so much fun over the last year with that? Absolutely. Actually, with that book now, we're working on her, her YouTube channel and getting her animated so she can teach lessons right to the babies, but they can watch because, you know, I, I have a, yeah. a three-year-old niece and a five-year-old nephew, and I just see how they navigate YouTube kids. And it just made me think, you know, Molly should be on here teaching her pre-financial education lessons through song and through fun. And so that's what I'm working on now for her. Yes, absolutely. Wow. I love that so much. That's so exciting to hear. I Thank mean, you. I'm ready for the producers of Daniel Tiger to just, you know, take it big time for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That would be awesome. Just manifest that. We'll just put that out in the universe yeah. right now. <laughs> Um, and then also guys be sure and go back and listen to episode eight budgeting basics and beyond. That was our first episode with Tiffany. So I just wanted to mention those before I forget, um, because those are awesome. But this time, of course, we want to dig into get good with money. Mm -hmm. So tell us, tell us all about it. So the, the subtitle is 10 simple steps to achieve, to becoming financially whole. Um, and financial wholeness is when the 10 core aspects of your financial life are really working together to build the strongest financial foundation possible. So I like to think of this book as like the prerequisite to the rest of your financial life. That if you had a really strong financial foundation, then things like recessions and even loss of job and furloughs, not to say that these things wouldn't, um, wouldn't cause any financial uh, trauma in your life, but the trauma wouldn't run as deep. It wouldn't last as long. 
I think if everyone had a really strong financial foundation, then it would just make their money life so much easier. So if you remember, I used to teach a preschool, you know, for over 10 years before I became the budgetista. And as a preschool teacher, and I have my master's in education, I see and I've seen the importance of that foundational learning. Like if you don't know your letters, it's gonna be so hard to read. If you don't know your numbers, it's gonna be so hard to add. But if you don't have these 10 core financial, you know, these financial building blocks, these are your letters, shapes, numbers, colors, then that way you can go off and do whatever else it is you wanna do with your money. So I'm, I'm just really excited to be able to present it to the world. I love that. And I love that it's going to be so accessible for people mm-hmm. because uh, the money will not be a barrier for them to learn about the basics. And because I'm a big believer in uh, library books and yes. I know you are too, yes, and Overdrive yes. and Libby and all the different amazing apps that make it so easy now to, mm-hmm. you know, to download it on an ebook or to check it out from the library. And I mean, this is like, free education you're giving away in this book. Yes, because I think it's so important. So many of us didn't get financial education at home because maybe our parents didn't know or we didn't get it in school. This is one of the reasons why I helped to write that law for the state of New Jersey, the budget NISTA law, making financial education for middle school mandatory because we already had something in place for high school. So for me, you know, financial education is really like my life. How can I help the babies, you know, older children, you with your finances? So I, I think about that a lot and it really starts with education. And, and yeah, that's why I wrote Get Good With Money to give you the education you needed to really succeed with money. Yes. Well, you, you've got 10 simple steps to becoming financially whole. And I know we, we don't have time to go into all of them, but could you share a few of your favorites? Yes. Well, I'll list them and then we can, I can talk oh, about my favorites. So perfect. the list is budgeting, saving, debt, credit, income, then investing, net worth, insurance, your financial team, and estate planning. So those are the 10 core steps. And obviously budgeting is my favorite because I am the budgetista. <laughs> you know, I, I love that step the most. And it's really like the cornerstone if you're building a house, you know, you really have to have that budgeting cornerstone. It's so critically important. Um, another step that I really like too is the credit step because so many people think that credit is such a hard thing to overcome, but out of all of the steps, credit is actually the easiest because there's so many tips and tricks in credit that you can shimmy this way and shimmy that way, you know, that you don't have to be as disciplined as you need for the other things. You know, when it comes to credit, there's a lot of set it and semi forget it and automation that can help well, you share build a, a credit score. those with us if you don't mind. No, I don't, I don't mind. So one of the things with credit is that credit bureaus like to see that you paid off a debt in full. And as many times as you can do that, the better. Now, some people might think like, oh, well, I can't pay my mortgage off in full every month. No, but what you can do is you can pay off a credit card in full every month. So let's just say you have a credit card you finally paid off, put your lowest bill on it. Say, let's just say Netflix. And that's like, I don't know what, like Netflix is like what, say 15 bucks a month. So you take that credit card, you leave it home and you say, hey, Netflix, I want you to charge my credit card every month. And then you have your your bank account. And then you say, hey, bank account, I want you to to pay that, that credit card bill every month. 
So really every month, even though you're just paying 15 bucks a month for a Netflix card that you were paying for anyway, what it looks like is every month you're paying off a debt in full. And so it almost tricks the credit system to say, oh my gosh, Tiffany's out here paying off full debt every single month. And it really makes your credit score jump. And it's such a, it's like, a, it's a quick and easy legal tip to, to help to raise your credit score fairly quickly. I love that. I've never heard that before. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've known that, yes, you need to pay your credit card off every month, mm -hmm. but I didn't realize that it made your credit jump just by doing something. I mean, you could set that on automatic pay. Yep, yeah. set it and forget it. Mm -hmm. yeah. Or let's just say you're just trying to build credit. You know, um, you can do something called piggybacking. So literally, you know, piggybacking is when you jump on somebody's back that's bigger than you and they carry you. Same thing with credit. You can piggyback on someone else's credit card. So your mom, your sister, your dad, your cousin, grandma, grandpa, someone who has a credit card that they are paying off every month in full, they can add you as an authorized user. So you get to piggyback on their strong credit. And when they pay it off every month in full, it looks like you also paid it off every month in full. So you wow. get to, so you don't get the full benefit like they get for actually being the owner of the card, but you get some residual benefit. And it's really great for when parents are starting to help their, their, um, their children start to grow credit because kids as young as like 13 can be added so they wow. can start to grow their credit. So by the time they graduate college, they have a decent credit score. Nice. Wow. Well, and I love, I never knew that it, like the amount didn't really matter either. Like, I mean, so many people have like four or three credit cards. If you have mm -hmm. one that's just laying around that you don't want to use, just mm -hmm. use one of your automatic payments or subscriptions that you have. And then yeah, do the automatic payment every month and you're paying off a credit card every month. Like, that's genius. <laughs> I tell I people put it, put like um, nothing over 25 bucks. Yeah. That's like, it's super easy. So that way you're not like, Oh, why did I put, cause somebody, some people will tell me, Oh, I'll, I'll put like my, um, my insurance on it. And I'm like, well, insurance is two, 300 bucks a month. And if yeah. you don't pay it off in full, now you have this interest that you have to pay. Mm -hmm. But if you put like Netflix for $15, it's very likely you'll have the $15. So you'll pay it off in full every month. So definitely the cheapest bill, it could be $5. The amount doesn't matter. They're looking at the habit of you paid off in full every month. Oh, wow. What a great trick. I love it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, since you are the budget nista, maybe just give us a couple of little budget nuggets, too. <laughs> so one of my favorite budget nuggets, this is something that I had my husband do because he wasn't the best budgeter. And so <laughs> this is a budget without budgeting. So you do have to do a little math up front. And so you, I want you to ask yourself, okay, and so I know how much money comes into the household every month, and I want to split it into four accounts. Sometimes your, um, your, your company will allow you to get, those, get that money directly um, deposited into those four accounts. And even not, you could still transfer. So the two accounts are two checking, two savings. The first checking is your spending account. So this is the account that's attached to your debit card. You likely already have it. The second checking is your bills account. So this is a separate checking account from the one attached to your debit card, this is where you're going to put your bill money. So this is the account that'd be paying that Netflix bill, you know, via your credit card. You do not want a debit card attached to your bills account because you don't want to make a mistake while you're food shopping and then you swipe the card and then you, you've taken your bill money out. So the next two are two savings accounts. One savings is for emergencies. This is where you're wanting to put your emergency money three months, six months, or, or, or one year's worth of emergency savings, depending on the industry that you're in and how quickly you think you could replace your income. 
And the second savings account is really goals. Are you looking to buy a house or a car? Maybe you're looking to, to invest one day, right? And so what you do to budget without budgeting is you do the math. How much money do you want to go into your spending account, bills account, emergency account, and goals account? Then you tell your job, hey, instead of sending all my money to this one checking account like you normally do, can you split it into these four accounts? Here's the amount. And that way you split it before you get it. So literally your job budgets for you. And so my husband before, you know, he would forget to make the transfers, but now he doesn't have to even think about it. So what happens now is that his money comes into our household and splits. And all he knows is, well, this is how much money I have for our allowance. He can swipe that card. And I know, did you put money in the bills account? Done. Did you put money in the savings? Done. Did you put money in the emergency account? Done. You see? And so that is the best way to budget without budgeting. So you don't have to think about it. Split it before you get it. I love that. <laughs> I think it also just helps with mindset too. Like knowing for me, like I only have one savings account. So it's like, if I take anything out of that, it's just like heartbreaking. But if mm -hmm. I had an emergency savings yes. and then my goal savings, at least mm -hmm. now I'm like, well, it's an emergency. Like I absolutely need, I don't know. It's like, a, it's a, such a mental thing for me at least. And I know yes. having those separate buckets is, is just a much clearer way to see it. And I always thought it was crazy to like have all these different accounts, but cause I never knew how easy it was to open them up. Yes. Um, but I've heard more and more from other people, how that they have additional accounts. And I'm like, oh, it's like the envelope method. Kind yeah. Of, it's literally that digital. I used to literally have the envelope method. Yeah. And so my sister, this is like 10, 12 years ago. She was like, well, instead of envelopes, you could just have bank accounts. And I was like, you know what? That's great. So then, but now, you know, obviously you don't, cause with the envelope method, you literally would have your rent envelope, your, your gas electric envelope. So you wouldn't, you have to combine some of those envelopes and to make one bank account. So now I have the bills envelope, which is a bills account the spending envelope, which is my spending account. And so, yeah, it just makes life a little bit easier. And very quickly, you can see where you stand with your money, mm -hmm. how much money you left for, left for spending, how much money you have left for bills, how much money for emergencies and how much money for your goals. And it just streamlines it. Mm -hmm. And, it, and it, that's what making anything easier you, if you streamline it and it takes takes the guesswork out of it for you, um, then you're ahead of the game right exactly. there. <laughs> I love that. Um, what was the most challenging part about writing this book? So the most challenging part is that as a teacher, there's always like one more thing and one more thing. And they're like, <laughs> Tiffany, no more words. <laughs> You know, so like I would like edit it. So what would happen is then literally, you know, you write it, rough draft, you submit it. They have some like, oh, you know, you know, maybe you go into more depth here, more feeling. So then you write, you know, you edit and then we would get close to like, well, it's pretty good. But then I would think of like, no, you know what? I forgot to fully explain this. And then I would come back with 30 more pages and they're like, wait, what? So <laughs> that part of like not over teaching was so hard. They're like, Tiffany. We're just letting you read it just to make sure that like, this is what you want to say. We're, don't send back 30 more pages. Um, so that Save was that definitely- for book two. Exactly. So that was definitely <laughs> the hard part because I just wanted to make sure, like the teacher and me wanted to make sure that no matter what kind of learner you were, mm -hmm. what kind of reader you were, that you knew what I meant, you know, that you weren't like, because there are going to be some chapters where someone's going to be like, oh yeah, I don't need you to explain what a stock is. 
And then there's going to be like an 18 year old who might read the book who's like, I'm so glad she explained what a stock is because I didn't know it was a piece of a company. And right. so I wanted to make sure that it moved fast enough for people who are more advanced, but for those who were just for the first time learning that they can really understand and, and pick up the knowledge along the way. So mixing those two styles definitely was hard, um, but it was also enjoyable because the teacher in me is always making sure that I'm adhering to what they call differentiated learning. Mm -hmm. So when I used to teach preschool, I knew that there were some kids that needed for me to... Um, um, count out the syllables of a, of a word. Some kids need to see it. Some kids need to hear it. And so as a teacher, you learn how to teach. So no matter what kind of learner you are, that everyone gets the value. And I had to do that with a book too. So that was interesting, fun, but hard. That leads perfectly into my next question, because I was going to say, when you were listing the 10 simple steps to becoming financially whole, mm -hmm. someone just starting out could hear financial team and freak out <laughs> like oh I, I i a financial team I, I can't even process that so why don't you share a little bit about a financial team and make it a little less scary <laughs> so this is what your financial team i say not everyone needs everyone that i've listed but everyone should have at least one person on your financial team and that is your accountability partner that oh, we work best that. when we don't do it alone so i made sure that so financial team is um, chapter 10, right? And I, I instruct you first and foremost, find an accountability partner. Maybe it's your bestie, you know, maybe it's your work mom, you know, maybe it's your husband, whomever it is that you're going to work toward your finances um, together with, you know, that you should be you should both want to be working toward doing better with your money, right? So that's first and foremost. But there are people too that you might consider hiring. So these are definitely not um, folks that you have to have, but I say consider, like consider hiring a CFP, a certified financial planner, but I kind of give you a checklist to see, do you even need one? You right. know, so you might be like, you know what? No, I don't need a, um, a certified financial planner. That's not something, you know, that's necessary for me, you know? So literally right. every person that I name, I say like certified financial planner, one, whether or not you need one. So I explain, right? Yeah. Then I say, two, how are they compensated? This is for everybody on your team. So that when you're like, oh, okay. And then I also have like three, um, if someone is going to be a fit for you. So same thing, consider a certified public accountant, the CPA, right? So again, I explain what they are. Then I say, one, do you even need one? Two, right. how are they compensated? But I want you to know what's available and out there for you. So it might be an estate planning attorney. You might say, you know what? I'm 22. I don't necessarily need one, but you might say I'm 45 and I've got two kids. I might want to consider. And so literally these steps I have as consider. There are some steps like budgeting that I'm like, do this. And yes. some steps where I'm actually like, consider maybe having this type of person. This is what they do. This is how you know if you need one. And this is how that person would be compensated. The only requirement that I have for that step is that I really do believe people should have that accountability partner. I love that. Mm -hmm. It's uh, And it's almost like it's goals. You know, yes. it's like, because it's like, there's you doing your tax returns or mm -hmm. there's hiring someone to do your tax yes. return. So that's mm -hmm. a good goal for a lot of people yes. and very necessary step for some people, especially once they get to where they're uh, in over their head with exactly. having their own business or doing exactly something. like yeah. my, my accountant, I remember like 
I, every year I'd be like, am I ready for you now? Cause he was a friend of mine. He said, nope. Because he would say like, you know, do you have like a business? Do you have children? Nope. Am I ready for you now? He's like, nope. So every year, because he was like, honestly, Tiffany, TurboTax is perfect for you. You right. don't need to pay me $200, $300. He said, because you have a house and you have one job, you know, and you don't have dependents. And even if you did have dependents, no, no, um, no business, no multiple properties. So these things, it doesn't make sense to, to overcompensate and to get an accountant when there are software tools, which I mentioned it here, that will actually be just as useful and just as helpful. And so for sure, that's something that I, I, I share that in here that, for example, one of the ones is that a, um, an insurance broker. So you might be like, oh, I don't know if I need an insurance broker, but I also say you might not need one. There are websites like Policy Genius that you can use to see if you can find, like you can actually take an insurance quiz and then see if you, um, what insurance that you might be lacking and they can make suggestions for you about where you can find that insurance. So that's why I said, it's like a sliding scale in the book, depending on where you are in life, you might be like, no, I'm at a place where I really do need a broker. You know, I've now grown my business, you know, multiple six figures and I want to make sure I'm fully insured. So I want to talk to someone who specializes in what I do, but then you might say, you know, I'm 35 and I just am looking for like, do I have the right amount of life insurance? And uh, like I said, a website like Policy Genius is more than enough. So I make sure to adhere to no matter where you are in your financial life, that there's a tool readily available for you. I love that. So good. Oh, I just, I mean, you already know, I already feel like every episode, I'm always just like, Tiffany, you're like the best <laughs> person ever. Oh, just cause I love how you just break down things so easily. Like, because I mean, I feel like an education, especially Differential learning is obviously in every classroom, but it's so mm -hmm. hard for sometimes for teachers to truly be able to explain yes. and break down for each individual person. And mm -hmm. I feel like you do it so beautifully because I'm very much a visual person. Like I mm -hmm. need to kind of like see metaphors and like see pictures and all that. And I don't know, you just take the most, I mean, money is a, such a complex topic and break it down in such a beautiful way. And then you make it so accessible for, you know, everyone and anyone to be able to get it. And uh, I just, yeah. Thank you, know. you. They tell you that like you, you're supposed to put your best teachers with the youngest kids, mm. you know, like people would think like, oh, you know, you put a great teacher in, in college or, or high school. No, because those kids already have a foundation um. and that I, I really attribute my ability to, to teach really because I spent more than 10 years teaching preschool. There's no harder kid to teach because there's <laughs> right? no foundation, right? Yeah. So you might say, okay, Jonathan, today we're going to learn the color red. Red like an apple, and Jonathan might say, "What's an apple?" And you're like, "Wait, okay." Oh boy. <laughs> so now you have to literally. <laughs> now you have to be like, "Okay, an apple's a fruit. What's a fruit? Okay, fruit's going to you know." So you have to go back, back, back before you can even get to the red. Then you're like, "Okay," yeah. you know. So you learn as a teacher, like you know, it's really it. It took so much because when I first started, like I was like 21, and it was so hard because I didn't know what they knew, what they didn't know. You know, and then I learned really how to teach that there would be some kids who, you know, they can spell apple and some kids don't even know what an apple is, depending on like their background, you know. Right. And so like learning how to navigate, you know, um, all different levels was just such a it was such a blessing for me because I'm able to take that now and use it with adults, knowing that there are some people who are, are literally 
what's an apple like stock, you know, what's a stock. Yeah. And there are some people who are like super savvy and they're like, oh, you know, I'm considering trading options. So how do you provide value no matter where you mm-hmm. are? And that's what's so good about get good with money. You know, now if you're like, you know, like my dad, who was a CFO and my first financial teacher, he might not need this book, you know, who was right. like, you know, but I bet you he's going to read it though. <laughs> he is. I gave him a copy. <laughs> but I wouldn't even say that. So for example, there's the insurance chapter. So my, my dad is not an insurance expert. So right. he might look at that chapter and be like, oh, you know what? I what? realized that, you know what? I'm not as insured as I thought. Like for me, one of the things I learned from um, um, uh, doing this book, because I pulled in experts for, for things that were not my expertise, like the insurance chapter, I pulled in my CFP, Anjali, my certified financial planner, to help me walk through what is it people need to look for when it comes to insurance. And as we were doing it, we found that I was underinsured oh. because my insurance policy is one. So I'm 41 now. I have a stepdaughter. I'm married. But I got my insurance policy when I was 27 and single and, you know, and didn't have a home. And so it was like, oh, oh, even me, like, okay, let me remind people that as life changes to update their insurance policies and what does that look like? So no matter where you are in life, you can always do better with your money. So important. Mm -hmm. I love that. Well, um, it's been an interesting year and we do consider you to be a very valuable resource to our community and a very trusted one. Mm-hmm. So we would love to get your take on a very uh, tough topic and a you know sometimes controversial one. All that's happened in the last year with Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, and just how money is different for um, Blacks and people of color and just uh, different races. Uh, we would love to get your take on why that is. I know that's a huge question. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you can go in so many different directions, pick your own. Um, but just how, how are you feeling about everything? And how do you feel about the differences that all of that creates in the world? So I'll say that I'm not sure why it is, but I know how it is, meaning that there is something called like, so we know that there's this gender wage gap that women make less than men, Mm -hmm. but there's also a racial wage gap. So imagine that you're like a woman, you're making 75 cents on the dollar, but what they don't tell you oftentimes that what they're comparing is how much white women make in comparison to what men make. What they're not sharing is like black women make less, Latina women make less, Native American women make even less, you know? And so like those numbers are not shared as readily because there is a racial wealth gap because there are a few things that one, you're underpaid even doing the same job as other folks are doing. But also two, you find that the things that you own are also worth less. I give an example that like, I used to not understand why people would get so angry about things like gentrification. I'm like, well, isn't it good? The neighborhood's looking better. Until I didn't understand that yes, the neighborhood's looking better but the people who live there don't get to enjoy it, Mm -hmm. that they push them out and then they increase the neighborhood and say, now Brooklyn is worth money. But it's like, well, when I was living in Brooklyn, you know, you told me it was worth a dollar. And now that you're living in Brooklyn, you say it's worth a hundred. So if I'm making less and then the things that I own because of the color of my skin is worth less, I'm losing on both ends. Like even me, so I've been doing the budgetista for 10 years now. I've grown my business to a multi, multi-million dollar business. I myself have grown my net worth to, um, to multi-seven figures. And for all, you know, like for on the outside, you say, Tiffany, you're doing great. 
And so my house is completely paid off. My husband and I purchased it cash. It was a, it was a, um, um, a foreclosure and we, we, um, we renovated it. I love this house. It's built in 1920. It has all the old features. And I remember during the when pandemic hit, I said to myself, babe, maybe we should pull money out of the house and invest because the market is looking amazing. He said, okay, you know, let's do that. And I forgot that when you want to pull money out of your house, it's considered a cash out, cash out refinance. And a refinance basically is getting a, a new mortgage. And when you get a mortgage on a house, even if you already live there and you own it, you have to go through the whole mortgage process. And one of those processes is having your house appraised. Now, I already knew the statistics that brown and black homes, so like Latina, Latino and, and black homes are under appraised on average by 30 to $40,000. And I had seen articles where literally someone's home was under appraised by $500,000. And I I'd always thought to myself, if I ever had to get my home appraised, I have a really great friend. Her name is Catherine Wilson. She's white. And I always said I was going to ask Catherine to come. My husband and I would leave. We would take down our pictures and Catherine would be me. So, so that was like in my mind, because this is what you read. Like, here's some of the things you can do as a black homeowner to get better value for your home. But wow. it was at the beginning of quarantine and pandemic. And obviously, Catherine, we were all quarantined. She couldn't come. And so the appraisers came. They seem nice, you know, you know, they, I told, we hadn't even lived in the house for five months. And it was, when I say renovated, like every hinge on every door is brand new, you know? So like we gutted the house, new plumbing, because you know, the plumbing back then was terrible, new electric, everything. And even the appraisers were like, this house is so beautiful. You guys did an amazing job. I can tell who, you know, whoever you hired did such a great job. So I'm thinking, great. We're going to get a great appraisal. The appraiser comes back, the appraisal comes back, and it seems a little low, but I wasn't sure because I didn't want to initially think, oh my goodness, is, you know, am I a victim of right. like, you know, my race? And, and so I was like, no, 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 let me give it to my, uh, I, 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 there's a realtor that lives around the corner. And I said, can you look at my appraisal? And like, what would you, if you were going to put my house on the market, what would you have put it on the market for? And she looked at it and said, yeah, this is low, that it's about 30 to $40,000 under what I would have put. And even then I was like, I don't know, maybe, you know, I posted it online and I, I shared like my story. And then someone from the New York Times reached out to me and said that they're doing a story on appraisals and how black and black and Latin houses are under appraised. And would I like to contribute to the story? And I said, yes. And so the woman called me and she said, would you mind sharing your appraisal that you got from your appraisal, from your appraiser? And I was like, yeah, she said, cause we're gonna have an independent appraiser at the New York Times wow. to look at, I was like, oh my gosh, it couldn't have been more perfect because now <laughs> I don't have to wonder. And so it came back and honestly, um, the appraiser that came to my house um, did some things that were just like unconscionable. So one, and, and it's not accidental, it was on purpose. One, the comparables that he chose for my home. So comparables are homes in the area that are similar to you. So this is five bedrooms, this is five bedrooms. They would not compare your five bedroom house to a three bedroom house. Yeah, right. He chose homes that were, not, that were not renovated at all. Even though my house was so newly renovated, it had been it had just been finished five months prior. So it was like new, new, new. That was one. Two, so you you code house. I never heard of this before, but houses have codes like um C1, C2, C3, it's either C1, C2, or H1, H2, H3. It might be H. But 
So each of those codes lets you know, this is a rundown house. This is a house that has a lot of wear and tear. This is a house that has moderate wear and tear. This is a house that has almost no wear and tear. This is a brand new like construction. He put us down for a house with moderate wear and tear. This brand newly renovated house. It said there's literally a label that says newly renovated. And he chose not to put that. And even though he said, wow, your renovation's amazing. I could tell you just did it. We said, yep, we just moved in five, five months ago. So you have to ask yourself, those are not accidental. How do you give me the wrong label? And then also choose homes that are not comparable to mine. And I wouldn't have known, you know? Yeah. And so this is, you know, and honestly, my heart sank and we ended up not taking money out of the house and we ended up not investing it. Think about the money we lost because the market has yielded like people um, okay. 60 to 100 percent back on their money. So literally, we could have put two hundred thousand dollars into the market and got back, you know, maybe. Um, so think of 200 times times six, you know, like one point two million back, you know, and so. That is why there's a racial wealth gap because of instances like that. Home appraisals rob black and brown communities of a cornerstone of their wealth. Because if my house is worth $30,000 less, then that means that's $30,000 less that I can pass on to my stepdaughter or my niece or my nephew. And not just me, think of 30 to 40 to $50,000 times millions of people. And so when they say that this community has less, it's just not true. It's that the things that are that we own are valued less. And so it's disheartening, but there is a silver lining because I had shared it on social. A friend of mine, the same assembly woman that I wrote the budget needs a law for making um, uh, middle school financial education mandatory for middle school. She said, I saw Tiffany, what you posted. And I was like, yes, Angela, I don't even know what to do. She's like, uh, yes, you do. I was like, what? She was like, you could write a law. I was like, how could I write a law? Oh, we could, we could write a law. <laughs> And she said, yes. I was like, oh my gosh, I, I don't know why I didn't think of it. So she and I worked together to create a bill. It hasn't been voted on it yet. And so the bill would make it absolutely illegal to um, appraise someone's house based upon their race. And on top of that, this is the component I really wanted inside this bill, that I wanted it to be mandatory that the realtor and the appraiser, like in your appraisal packet, because I didn't know what to do when that happened. It was like, okay, so I know you know, th this happened, what do I do? But okay. in the appraisal packet, it should say, here's what, here's what the things in your appraisal mean. If you think this is an unfair appraisal, this is where you can go. This is who you call, your, your email. And if it's found to be unfair, this is the, the punishment for the appraiser. So that way the appraiser knows that you are now an educated consumer yes. and that they have to give you that education. You know, so I just thought that that part was so important that you get that from your realtor and the appraiser themselves so they know that they're on notice, so. Absolutely, because you are so very educated mm -hmm. with financial stuff and all of that. But again, real estate is not your specialty. Mm -hmm. So if that hadn't, if that New York Times article hadn't come around when it How did, and you were like, I don't know, maybe, but mm -hmm. if, if that's a law, then that's awesome. Yeah, I, so I just don't know how it's not already a lot. I, can you like, imagine? That's what that I like, like, <laughs> Because I'm you like, know, when, when you think about it, like it's it's because uh, I just saw like our current administration, our current president. He was on a podcast and he admitted that he was like, it is one of because just a random person can come to your house and say, mm, your house is yeah. worth this, and there's yeah. no checks and balances. 
There's nothing like I Google to see, well, if you have an unfair appraisal, you know what they said? You can beg your bank to let you pay for another one. I'm like, what? So, cause you know, appraisers can be Wait, really so expensive. Oh my goodness. So yeah. You can't just go out and get a rent because remember the, um, the bank has to approve it because they don't want you to get your friend to say your house is worth a hundred million dollars and it's worth 50,000. Right. So the right. bank has to approve it, but you have to, the bank can say, no, we think their appraisal, appraisal is right. And so there was like, I didn't know what to do. There was, I couldn't find where do you report it. And if you do it literally almost nothing would happen. And so, like I said, now that this bill is like, it's, it's waiting to be like reviewed and then voted upon hopefully eventually this year that will happen. Um, but because it needs to be nationwide. I know. And so I don't oh, know how to write federal law yet. President. But <laughs> Tiffany for president. <laughs> I know that job was Absolutely. too hard for me. <laughs> But I think we can do it. I what you hope you. is that like, if you write a, what so oftentimes what happens is you write a good law in your state and because it does really well, that it does get federal attention. Mm -hmm. And so like, even now there's like, uh, like our budget needs to law in New Jersey. A lot of other states have started to adopt their own version of their own okay. financial literacy law for kids. And so what happens is as that happens, it sometimes gets federal attention and then there's this, this is a federal uh, um, law put in place. So I'm hoping because the president has said that he acknowledges that their appraisal process mm -hmm. doesn't have any checks and balances and it's leading to and adding to the racial wealth gap that something can be done. So yeah, it's just, uh, it's, not, it's not easy, but it's one of the reasons too why there have to be different voices in financial education. Exactly. To be all the way honest, I was nervous about being on the cover of my own book because I thought, oh, yes, I thought to myself, I don't gosh. know. I told Penguin Random House, I said, I don't know, because if people go into Barnes and Nobles, are they going to buy a financial book with a black woman on the cover? And Barnes and Nobles was like, not Barnes and Nobles, but Penguin and my agent, Heather, they were like, Tiffany, you have to be on the cover. Like I yeah. knew other black women would, would gravitate yes. to it. But I said, will other women who are not black, will men will gravitate to it? And so um, I was nervous and I'm not gonna lie, I'm still nervous about it a little <laughs> bit because of the world we live in. Because yeah. you know, oftentimes, you know, um, I have been doing this for 10 years and especially when I first started before I like really grew my brand, people, brand, financial brands, financial people did not take me seriously as a woman and as a black woman. And so it kind of reared its ugly head again when I was like, should I be on the cover? But I'm oh. just so glad that I am because I'm helping to raise a stepdaughter, she's 14. And she's beautiful, black, my nieces, beautiful yeah. and black. And I want them to be able to go into a place and say, yes. that's my aunt. That's my stepmother. I see myself out there as well. I yeah. can do that as well. So I'm glad that they were like, Tiffany, are you crazy? You're going to go on the cover. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad Absolutely. they did that too, because mm -hmm. it's a beautiful cover. It's a beautiful book. And it is a beautiful goal for any woman. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you are, we you are our big boss crush for sure. Oh, thank you. <laughs> we have such a crush on you. We, we just, I mean, you are our money crush. <laughs> thank you. For sure. Because the, the way that you teach is so beautiful and so helpful and so open. And that's, you know, that's what we want this podcast to be. That's why, you know, yeah, we've had we, you on three times. <laughs> I know. I love that. I love that. Honestly, but well, I just feel we'll like have... women need to hear women as well. You know, exactly. that like, it's just important that like, yeah, that there are a myriad of voices. Everyone deserves to say, yes. I connect with that person, you know? Yeah. 
Well, and for women to be talking about money, you know, like that in itself is such a huge accomplishment in the, over the past couple of years, especially, I mean, you see any sort of financial education in the past and it's all men, you know? So, I mean, yeah. Sometimes there's a lack of comp, like a lack of empathy and kindness sometimes that's missing from this genre. You know, you Mm -hmm. hear men say, well, you should have done better. Some of the financial gurus I hear or like, well, and I'm like, uh, that's not, that's not helpful. I don't believe in shame. I don't believe in blame. You know, like I always say that I'm more Mr. Rogers and less Simon Cowell when it comes to money. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that like, I feel like you should give people the space and the grace to grow. And so I think sometimes, not all men, obviously, but I definitely think that women bring more of that empathy kindness and understanding to the space. Um, And some of that was really missing for some time. It was very much like an in your face, you know, um, for personal finance was very much that. And I think a lot of women shied away because they didn't feel comfortable being spoken to that way. We get pitched to by men that want to come on, you know, either by their publicists or themselves or whatever. And I, I just delight in writing the email that says we're giving voice. There are so many uh, female experts in money that don't have an opportunity to share their voice and we're giving them that opportunity I if love that. Through all of them we'll get back to that I always tell we're like so so it doesn't mean like I say like I always tell my dream catcher so like Beyonce has a beehive and I'm always like I have dream catchers so I always tell dream catchers that like you know, women are the core, but we don't turn anyone away because we yeah. certainly have like boyfriends and husbands and just guys who are and just wanting to And we have a lot learn. of men that listen to this podcast. Exactly. I have friends, but I, but I always tell the dream catchers that are guys, remember, you are a guest of a guest. Mm-hmm. So behave as such, meaning like, you know, that women here come first, you know, but let the women eat first, let them get their drink first. And then if there's something left over, certainly you can come over, but you're a guest of a guest. And the guys always have a good time with that, but they know that like so many spaces have been created and set aside for them. And they really appreciate um, the platform um, that we've built. And like, I get guys saying all the time, like, I know you're not talking to me particularly, but I love your stuff. And I'm like, no, I'm talking to everyone. Um, But certainly, you know, especially the women that are listening. Yes. 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 Well, your stuff is so accessible to anyone that wants to learn about money. Um, But it definitely, you know, makes it easier for a female to hear you speaking about money than mm-hmm. some stuffy financial male expert that doesn't uh, well, care really. And just, it goes money. back to differential learning too. Like yes. the, the words, like, I mean, I was a communication studies major, like words matter. And like, if you are using vocabulary that no one else will understand, you're discriminating against people who don't know those words. Mm-hmm. And so just the fact that like, again, this accessibility and the differential learning, like is so crucial and mm-hmm. yeah, it's important. And that's why we love you and love your book. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, I'm so excited about the book. I'm so excited about Mally Moore getting her YouTube channel. <laughs> so definitely uh, we'll obviously be staying in touch and staying, you know, I mean, we, uh, just every chance we, I mean, you're always posting so many great things on Instagram. We're constantly reposting and sharing and, um, um, we're so. your personal hype crew. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah. I love that. Personal love that. Can, I, can I share where people can get giga with money? Yes, mm. uh, absolutely. <laughs> so literally the title is the website, get good with money.com. 
Um, I actually, someone owned it before me and they lived in like London or something like that. And um, I had to beg, I was like, please, they weren't using it. And so I was like, please, because I don't know what else to call the website. <laughs> so uh, they gave it to me. Um, so yes, getgoodwithmoney.com. You can go ahead and, and order a copy. Um, there's also like a free toolkit that comes along with the book. So like all of the, um, I have like a, a like money list and graphs and charts. So things like if you, because inside the book, it's not really a workbook, but certainly if I tell you to do your budget and, and explain how, I give you a blank template to do so. If I oh. tell you to, as you're working on your debt, you know, like here's the template that I like to use, I give it to you as well. So there's also a, a toolkit that's really free for anyone to, 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 to get at Gig It With Money as well. So oh, I can't awesome. wait to hear how you guys like it. Oh, well, I already know. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 everything you do love it yeah. <laughs> literally out of doubt well tell us the other places where people can find you too so i am the budget nista on everything the budget nista.com i'm the budget nista on facebook on youtube on instagram on twitter i'm on tiktok but my stepdaughter refuses to teach me how to use it <laughs> so i don't know how to use it <laughs> she's like no <laughs> So, um, but yes, I'm the Budget Nista on everything. And I love staying connected to people. So certainly you can seek me out um, as the Budget Nista. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being our first third time guest. <laughs> and uh, basically, whenever you want to come back. <laughs> thank you so much, ladies. We yes. love having you on. And we love these conversations with you. And uh, we wish you all the best with this mm -hmm. new book. We can't wait to see it skyrocket uh, and hope that it's just the biggest number one seller ever. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I appreciate Absolutely. that. We'll be singing uh, your praises all next week. Promise. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. The Money Made Easy podcast is here to educate, uplift, and empower you to feel confident in your financial decisions. Have any questions? Email or DM us on Instagram. Remember, you start by starting. Take one small and actionable step towards your financial goals today. And if you enjoyed this episode, please go give us a five-star rating and leave us a review. Might as well hit that subscribe button while you're there. And we'll see you next Money Monday.